Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, I'm Olympian Lolo Jones and I have a new podcast called Gold Medal Loser, presented by Discover Card. Everyone can relate to those loser moments in their life, especially when expectations are high. But here's the thing, not everyone overcomes hardships the same way. So I'll be talking to some of the most winningest people from all walks of life to learn their mentality behind their successes and failures. We'll be talking to athletes and celebrities to get their insight behind personal moments that represent the good, the bad, and the ugly. Plus, how they took these challenges and created a better version of themselves. So check this pod out because it's time to get real. Don't forget to subscribe to Gold Medal Loser on Apple, Spotify, and any preferred podcast platform. All right, I am here with my guy, Joseph Guzman. He is a player's agent as well as a draft advisor. Joseph, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm glad we can finally get this, uh, get you on here. I know we have been talking about this probably now for about a month or two. Um, and I was telling you before we hit, I hit record that my wife and I just had our, our third child. So it's just been kind of hectic in our house. And then we had to reschedule because you had something kind of exciting going down with one of your players. And we'll talk about that in a, in a quick second here. But before we jump into anything, tell me, how did you get into baseball? And then how did you go from enjoying the game as a fan um, or if you play, play it at all um, to where you are now uh, adv- advising MLB draftees and, and signing players? Okay, so it started at a really young age. Um, my dad played baseball. He played with some players. Uh, Sean Dunstan was one of the most notable players he played with in Brooklyn. Um, he was born in the Dominican Republic. My mother was also raised in the Dominican Republic. So that passion for baseball has definitely always been there. So I was brought up um, playing baseball. I grew up in New York. That's where I was born. And um, big Mets fan, unfortunately. <laughs> but... Um, you know, so hopefully, hopefully sometime in my lifetime, we'll see a, a World Series championship there. But um, started at a young age, had huge passion for the game, um, played, you know, ever since I was four years old. I, I, I loved working and in the winters. I remember just running around inside the house, playing wiffle ball, breaking things. And um, that was always fun. And, and as I grew up, um, my dad had an opportunity to um, – take a transfer to Florida. He works for American airlines. Hmm. And, um, so there was that opportunity. So him and I came down first and I attended Coral Springs high school and I played on the JV team there. And then that's when I started to like really, um, see how competitive it was. So I started to work even harder. Um, and then I was, I was fortunate enough. I actually transferred a couple high schools because we didn't know where we were going to move. Um, up until, you know, the spring of my sophomore year. And I played at Sagemont in Weston, which is a private school. I had a really good head coach, Tommy Martinez, and he really helped me um, develop as a player. Um, and then after that, I had a scholarship offer, a big, big offer for, from uh, Tennessee Wesleyan. I went there for my first year, um, did well, didn't play that much. 
had probably the best coach I ever had, but it was just very competitive and I didn't get opportunities I would have liked to. So I, I came back home, also had some um, personal matters. My mother had a big back surgery. So I thought coming back home would be a better thing, started working out, um, getting stronger. was fortunate enough to work out with some uh, major league guys um, down here in Florida, Ramon Castro, mm. uh, Miguel Tejada, mm-hmm. um, some, some pretty cool guys. So, And um, I learned a lot from them, developed further. And um, then in 2012, that summer, um, I, w- I spent the whole summer with the Kansas City Royals rookie league team in the Dominican Republic trained there, played extended spring training games. And then that's where I really um, picked it up. And then I finished up at Florida Memorial University, had a really good uh, junior year. I led the team in basically every offensive category. Um, And then that summer I had a surgery. Um, I had a brain surgery. And so that was kind of a (laughs) big curveball. I was playing uh, that season with with like severe migraines and I didn't really know what it was. And then it, one day it got to a point where I couldn't even put my head on my pillow and it mm. was, it was really um, excruciating. And so I wanted to play through it cause it was my, you know, my junior year at Florida Memorial. I had some major league teams coming out to see me, just didn't really have this support, you know? So I think that's where I kind of got the, the love for helping players. And so that summer I had surgery, I had a cyst underneath uh, my brain and it was the size of a golf ball. So they wow. had to go in and going right up through here. And um, <laughs> so, yeah. So after that happened, I missed my whole fall season um, for, our, for my senior year and um, got back in shape. And then I finished out and then I realized, all right, what am I going to do um, next? And I started coaching, started helping. Uh, and then I went back to the Dominican Republic to help. Um, to help uh, Kansas City Royals cultural development guy, Jeff Deskin, was a great mentor for me. Hmm. Um, and we helped prepare the guys for Latin America for for life here in America as as baseball players. Mm-hmm. Culture is very different. Um, so yeah. those guys come from Dominican Republic. Um, there's players from Venezuela, Colombia, all Latin America. They go to the academies in Dominican Republic. Each major league team has an academy there. Um, and so I started doing that. I started coaching high school um, as an assistant coach. Then I coached in the Valley. I was fortunate enough to coach three years there. Um, Stock Ramirez was a, a big mentor for me. He helped coach me in college as well. And he was um, nice enough to bring me along. And that's where I really got the passion to um, help players and just started building relationships. And it just kind of took off from there. That's awesome. All right. I want to, I want to talk about a couple of things you had mentioned. All right. So you talked about you, you, you were young and you played, what position did you play? Shortstop and third base. Okay. Um, awesome. So you, you mentioned Miguel Tejada, obviously one, one of the better shortstops in, in baseball over the last couple of years here. Um, he was one of my favorite players to watch growing up. Uh, I was born in, in Oakland and, raised so my dad was puerto rico puerto rican he was born in puerto rico so i understand completely that love and that passion that uh, dominicans have puerto ricans have mm-hmm. um honestly it's like our national pastime is it, they it's it's more than just a national pastime to puerto ricans it's like their life almost in in for different for many puerto ricans and my dad was the same way uh he never played but he was always in like rec league teams growing up when i was a kid 
Um, but yeah, so we grew up in Oakland in Richmond area in, in California. So we were season ticket holders to Oakland. Uh, and I saw a ton of Miguel Tejada. I saw a lot of Eric Chavez in those years, the early two thousands when it was Chavez and Miguel Tejada, the big three, uh, Zito, Mulder and Hudson. Those were the teams that I grew up watching. So Miguel Tejada, like when you mentioned that you got the a chance to interact with them and play with them, like, wow, that's incredible. Uh, Super jealous, but uh, <laughs> um, you you talked about the Royals. Were you was that when you were a a college student? Um, the first time you went out there, how did how did that all work out? Yeah, so I actually I had connections in the Dominican Republic because my family's Dominican, and um, I was fortunate enough to work out with them. And so since I was not born there i was not eligible to sign unless i was there for eight months the other problem was i was 21 so i was old i was old for that market um but i did play in you know a lot of extended spring training and i did i did hit very well but that summer where it really clicked for me um and it was just one of those things where it just it happened too late you know if it would have happened three years earlier um because i i always had always had tools uh, but i didn't translate in the game as consistently as I could have, um, as far as a hitter goes. And then being down there and seeing, you know, live pitching every single day and, and seeing 90 off the machines. And mm-hmm. it was just like, it, it just started become becoming easier. And then that's when I realized that player development is like such a huge, huge part. Um, and that's something that I, you know, take into consideration when I look at players, you know, can this guy develop further? How, you know, how old is he now? How many years can he, you know, potentially develop and turn into something? Um, because, like I said, I didn't, I didn't have the support that now I give players. So I think that's where the, the passion comes in, where I'm able to, you know, give back and and really support guys and just help them get exposure, which is the fun part. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, yeah, yeah, sounds like an incredible job. You you talked about a lack of support. Um, when you were a player, what do you mean by you didn't feel the support that you needed, which which kind of motivates you now? But as a player, where did you feel like that lack of support was? Yeah, I didn't have oh. an advisor. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anyone that could make a phone call for me and say, mm-hmm. you know, tell the scouts, oh, you guys got to come out here and, and take a look at. Gotcha. Um, so being here, obviously, in the United States. Right. So and that's a that a, plays a big role because if you're not seen enough and you're not considered a prospect, you're not getting drafted. Like that's mm-hmm. just, so if you don't get the looks that you need, um, that that's a big, that's a big part of it. You can have all the tools in the world, but if no one sees you, then it's like no one sees you and, and you'd have no chance. Um, and I would have been a fringe, I, I was a fringe draft guy potentially. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I was a fringe guy, um, but I had some tools. And like I said, I feel like if I would have just, develop sooner and have someone in my corner um, really showing that support. And for me, like I, I help my players, even, you know, if they need a summer team, like I have connections with collegiate summer teams. Like I do a lot of different things to help my players and, and provide them with, with resources or um, different coaches or, or different things that I know that I can connect them with and they can go and work with those guys if they feel, you know, it's a fit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so you had mentioned to me before I jumped on here that you are a draft advisor as well as a, 
an, an agent. What's the difference between the two? Uh, for those who maybe who are listening who don't know, um, what what distinguishes you when you're you're an advisor to players versus when you become an agent? Okay, so when you're an advisor, you're only allowed to basically give advice to the player. You can't provide anything else of value. Um, you can you can speak to the scouts when they call. You can um, give them information about the player, um, but you can't provide them with anything of value. You can't buy them any equipment. You can't buy them any gear. Um, they have not signed a contract with you. It's a verbal agreement. Um, so the, the advisor world is actually a very competitive because there's no there's no written agreement you know so it's a lot of it is just having a really good relationship with with those players and building that relationship but they could at any moment you know say oh, oh I, want, I don't want to you know work with you anymore um so i think that's where you have to really like understand the players that you're dealing with understand what their values are mm. and see if they're aligned to yours um and so leading up to the draft then you'll kind of see where the player stands, try to get them into workouts and then, you know, negotiate once the draft comes, you know, what rounds are thinking of taking them, what are the offers are, what teams are interested. And then you kind of gauge it from there um, where when you're an agent, the players ready in professional baseball, you're able to provide them his equipment, his bats, his batting gloves, his cleats, um, you provide them support, call their organization, see where you know, player development, see where you know he stands going into spring training um negotiate his contract once his minor league contract is up um and that's all part of the you know the cba um that's going mm. that's going to be coming hopefully soon <laughs> oh man you and i both cannot wait for this lockout to be over i i not to get off topic but just like being able to go online and read articles about what's happening in baseball just I never realized how much I took that for granted because there's nothing going on in baseball. You see the pictures are gone. It's just blank faces and it's, it's a really, really weird time, but I, and I can't wait for it to get it for it to all get sorted out. But uh, man, so when, when you become an advisor for, for these players, how early does that, does that process start? I mean, are you looking at middle school players, um, college players, high school players? How does that all work out? Yeah. Well, um, for me, in particular, yeah, I look at, I definitely look at players in middle school. I've, I've found, I've found some really talented eighth graders or seventh graders nice. before and kind of um, stayed alongside with them. Um, and it's been five years since I've been doing this. And um, I've had 21 players that I recruited that were drafted or signed. Wow. Um, and then international, I've had 10 guys signed internationally in Mexico, had a couple guys in Taiwan as well. Um, and then uh, most recently, this past Friday, we had a third baseman catcher from Australia, born in New Zealand, Clayton Campbell Jr., um, that signed with the Tigers. So there was an international workout that took place here in Fort Lauderdale last week. And I was able to get him in, and he just he just went off. He was five for six with two home runs, a double. And, I mean, he just did everything he had to do. And uh, the Tigers had been following him for a long time, and then – uh, Australia was on, on a serious uh, lockdown, so they weren't able to play games for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really good for him to come over here and see some of the higher higher ups um, have a look at him. And he did what he needed to do. And those are the stories that I like is those guys that are the underdogs, you know, that you don't really 
think, you know, it's, it's going to happen for them, but I like to fight for those guys. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Um, so in, in that kind of situation, um, are, are the Tigers or their, their scouts or their front office or ho- however that works, are they in contact with you like prior to all this, letting you know that, um, that they're interested in him and obviously they can't really scout him out since he's, like you said, Australia was in a pretty serious lockdown. Um, how does that process all work out to where he they're interested? He comes here, has a workout. They're impressed. He he performed well, and now he's officially in the Tigers organization. As is, he's there, one of the minor leaguers now. Yes. Yeah. So he had he had a follow. Um, he has a couple of teams that had follow, been following him from Australia. Um, okay. So every team's different. Um, some teams have Australian-based scouts. Some teams have um, scouts that cover Australia and you know the Pacific Rim, um, Asia as well. Um, so it varies from team to team. Um, but the area scouts that that really liked him, they had put in good word when he was coming over, and I had reached out to the, the cross checkers and things like that. They knew when he came um, that you know where he was going to be and, and and all that. So they have their reports. Um, a lot of those reports are from the scouts that are in that area. And then when they come here and you have somebody that's at a, at a higher level than those guys, now they see it for themselves firsthand because maybe they hadn't had a chance to go to Australia because of, of the whole situation, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not a short trip. So <laughs> they right. might not want to travel the 20 something hours if they, they can't even watch the kid play in a game. Yeah. So it's uh it's definitely uh, different with that situation for sure. Um, but he came and, and did what he had to do. And, and I'm in communication with those guys and then um, have to negotiate and, and try to get him the best deal. And uh, we were able to do that. So that's incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Cause we were going to record and then you said emergency. I got, I got to go. <laughs> I said, all right, you do your job, man. That's, that, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Good for you. Good for him. I'm excited. I can't wait to see what he does in the, in the minor league system. Uh, so he's back in Australia now. Does he just come here back when spring training starts? Is that how that works out, or does he do uh, like rookie ball? Yeah, so he'll be in he'll be on the rookie team. He'll be come back in March. He's actually on the on the flight now, heading back to Australia. Uh, so he'll he'll be a while. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, he'll come back in March. Um, he'll have his spring training and and then go from there. See how he does. But they said they're going to give him you know a lot of opportunities to get his at bats and grow and develop and um he reminds me of like a mike napoli is kind okay. of what i compare him to i don't know if um he'll get to that level because mike napoli is very good yeah very very good but he has he has a lot of a lot of similarities for sure he can catch he can play third he can play first um great kid hard worker really loves the game and you know i i love fighting for guys like that that's that's the that's the best the best feeling in the world when a guy like that gets taken and moves up the system and potentially makes it to the big leagues. Yeah. So um, do you have any of your, the, the, any of the players that you represent now, they're kind of scattered all over the MLB teams or in the minor league system. Um, what is your everyday job like? Do you, are you scouting or are you just, you have scouts and then you kind of work based off of their information uh, how does what is like the everyday life of a of an MLB uh, agent? So for me, um, I have a partner. We're based out of uh, California, and then we have some scouts in different areas that 
get us leads and information. Um, so right now we're kind of preparing for the for the spring for the college season. Um, there's players in all different parts of the country that we're advising. Um, so we're just getting prepared, getting schedules set, um, get planning travel to go and see them um, in their college season. I try to go out and at least see everyone that I have for for a series. Um, that's something that I just try to do um, and and see how and see how it goes. And then as as that progresses, then spring training will come along, and then I'll have to plan the trips to spring training to Arizona and uh, the teams here in Florida that I have guys. Um, so that's kind of what's going on now um but yeah always always i'm always like on the road scouting i mean if i if i hear there's a good player i'll drive i don't know four hours north or i'll drive to jacksonville for the day or or whatever i'm, I'm very um diligent with my work when it comes to things like that and if there's guys that i can help i'm going to try to help them for sure you know that's yeah. my passion i really enjoy helping those guys get to the next level. That's awesome. I, uh, I appreciate the hard work that you put in. I know, uh, I was reading a tweet that you had tweeted out. It might be your pin tweet. Actually, uh, I'm going to pull it up real quick. <laughs> um, yeah, you had mentioned that five years ago you were, co you were finished coaching in the Valley league. Um, and now you're chasing your dream to help other players with the help that you never had. Um, now you have cross checkers and power fives calling you, which is incredible that you went from coaching in the independent leagues and now you're helping players find reach their dream. Um, what, how do, how does that work with the, the colleges that call you? Uh, do they just let you know when they have players that like, they see potential in or um, what is like the communication? How, how does that all work out? So for the colleges, um, a lot of times they're, if they might be interested in my player or I've sent, or they've sent, I've sent information on my players or, they're letting me know how my players are doing um, okay. or they need to find information out about, about, about a guy in my area or any area. Um, I mean, the other day I had a, a coach call me from California from a Juco. And I was like, Hey, have you, have you heard of this kid from Miami? I'm like, yeah. And it, it was kind of random, but I've always been the type of person that if I can help someone, I'll help someone I, and I, I'm more of like a quid pro quo type guy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or I'll do things for other people before, you know, expecting them to do. Cause a lot of times people, you know, they reach out to someone just because they want something. And, and I, I don't like that. I'm like, yeah, if I see something and I know, for example, um, Nebraska is looking for, you know, a center fielder or a catcher or something. And, and I see a catcher at a, at a Juco and he's uncommitted. I might say, you know, Hey, Lance, you know, there's this guy there that can really play and um, you should take a look at him. You know, I always, I always look out for people and, and they, and they return the favor, you know, they're honest with me with, with guys that I've sent and if they're doing well, they're doing well. If they're not doing well, they're going to say, Hey, they're struggling a little bit, but mm -hmm. I always like to hear the, the kid, the kid doesn't stop working. The kid's going to be all right. The kids, um, cause those are the guys that I really take pride in. You know, I love those guys that keep working hard and, coaches don't don't ever want to get rid of those guys and then they turn into something special and i was a part of that that's that's what i really enjoy yeah that has to be super rewarding as well just being able to see especially when you get these younger players and you see their their growth from the progression and the maturation from high school to college uh to drafting how how was it with covid like i know that 
all of minor leagues were shut down. The giraffe was reduced to five rounds. I had, I've in, I talked to two players who were um, signed by the Brewers. They weren't drafted. Uh, both were projected to be mid to late round picks, but they ended up getting draft assigned as free agents just because, you know, there's only five rounds. Um, how did that affect you and, and your company uh, and some of your guys? Yeah, it definitely really affected. I mean, there was a lot of guys that, that lost opportunities, man. It was really sad to mm -hmm. see. And I think it was just across the board. Uh, a lot of players were taken advantage of because of the situation and they were forced to sign and get their opportunity. But it was, it was really tough. It was really tough. I think everyone um, kind of went through it and it was, it was, I was just glad to, to be over with because for me, it wasn't so much, you know, the company or, or making money. It was like, some of these guys, like they needed it to be that year. Yeah. And, and some of them are not, are not playing baseball anymore. Some of them are, uh, and they, they deserved that opportunity to mm -hmm. you know, potentially be, be taken in a, in the 38th round or, and have that experience at least, you know, they did well enough, but it was just, it was just very unfortunate that it, it happened that way and we had to regroup and, and see what could happen for the next year. You know, it's, it was, it was bad. You know, it was bad. It was, like I said, it was just so sad for those guys that that year yeah. they never get back. And some of them are seniors and it's just like, they're done. And uh, Yeah. Pick a number between one and 10, whatever it is, it isn't high enough for the number of subscriptions you have, including all the ones you've forgotten about, because most people have an average of about eight subscriptions. So introducing Truebill, the app that gives you the power to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash BlueWire. Look, I subscribe to everything, and I always forget after the free trial is over to cancel, so I was stuck with subscriptions for services I didn't even use anymore. And Truebill saved me a ton of money. Go right now. Truebill.com slash blue wire. It could save you thousands a year. Get an effortless breakdown of your finances to see where your money is going and how to improve. Truebill.com slash blue wire. It was rough. Yeah, I feel that because uh like I said, the two guys that I talked to, they were kind of in that situation when they they had the opportunity. One of them had had the decision to make whether because uh, the signing bonuses were even smaller too, especially for those players who weren't you know projected to get drafted high. Um, he had a choice, you know, take the signing bonus, which is not as much, and then get drafted, and you're you're on a team, you're in the minors, you're you you know starting that dream, or to go back to college and maybe take a flyer on yourself and hope that COVID's over next year, which it's still still going on. <laughs> Um, although, you know, college baseball is is kind of back and everything, but we didn't know how it was going to be a year ago right. uh, with COVID and all that. So both of them chose to go the baseball route. They both got signed as free agents. They're both in the minors. Uh, they're both doing well. One just got traded to the Rays. And I, I sent him a message. I said, dude, you just got traded to the Rays and you're a pitcher. That means they see something in you that you know, you know that's 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 good. If you if, like, if you're if the tra Rays trade for a pitcher, like you know they with their system, they know you, they, you know they they see something in you uh, that's incredible. So I I was happy for him. He's 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 been on the pod. He's probably gonna come back on again. We've been talking back and forth. 
but yeah, the, just those times were so incredibly like difficult for these these players who had had their shot or their dream kind of just like taken away from them. Um, and I guess like if you think in the grand scheme of things of life and all that, it's it's small, but it's still it's their life, right? Um, but yeah, so talk to me now. Uh, you have a lot of players in the minors. What are your thoughts on these new these new housing rules? Does that affect any of your guys um, that the minor leagues? Because I I was actually just talking to uh, the the founder of um, Adopt a Minor Leaguer, and he's actually going to come on the podcast Friday. Uh, we're going to just because I I I I feel like we need to do more as fans, especially for these guys who they don't get paid much. They have to have you know crappy food. They live in terrible housing. Uh, no matter where you get drafted and you're still, you know, your housing situation isn't great. Um, like what are you, how does, what are your thoughts on these new rules and how's that going to affect your players? It just depends. Cause some organizations have dorms, you know, okay. some, like, like the tigers, they have dorms on site for the players, obviously in different levels, it's not the same. So it's going to be interesting to see how this, everyone's going to have housing mm-hmm. kind of goes. Um, but I think it also may affect the CBA. Like, so now, you know, the owners are going to be fighting for something else for the, mm-hmm. in the CBA. And so it's going to like, yeah, they got housing, but we don't know what, what they're looking at, you know? Uh, but I think it was definitely necessary. I think that they definitely need the, the housing. I think that having that, that stability and, and a nice, comfortable place to be is, is important for these guys and they're Mm -hmm. they're so far from home and then you have like a latin american kids they're like so so far from home changing culture too culture is just like it's just not even close to to what they're used to and then you know the housing is not good and they're not getting feed they're not getting fed the right way and um it can be really it can really really tough so i'll i'll be i'm pretty interested to see how it kind of becomes like this level playing field with, with mm-hmm. the housing. Um, but some organizations do have really nice facilities with the dorms on site. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, I'm just curious to see what the other teams do, but it's definitely going to create a better environment, I think for the players and they're going to feel more comfortable. They're going to feel more welcome. And I think psychologically, like having that, like in the back of their mind, like, Oh, I'm taking care of better. Like they care of more, you know, I think it'll help them also progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. If if you don't have to focus on, you know, where you're going to live, where you're going to work out, like what are you going to eat? You can spend all that time just honing your craft, becoming a better pitcher, becoming a better hitter, um, focusing on baseball, which is what they're supposed to do. Uh, so <laughs> I think I think it's it's wild that it took so long for baseball to figure out, like, you know, we should really invest in our farm system because that's where the talent comes from. Um, and I'm I'm glad that some organizations are already doing that. Do you know is that across all of the minors? Is that starting from like low A or that's is it what, at- well, that's what they're saying, but I'm not sure. I don't know hmm. what the fine print says. But you know what's what's interesting <laughs> with what you're saying too is uh, I've been to a lot of the academies in the Dominican Republic, and majority, I'm pretty sure all of them have housing for the hmm. players. They all have their they all have their, their whether it's their bunk bed and they have a living room space someplace some complexes have a pool i mean so all those guys there you know they have their complex they have their their dorm they have their food they have their cafeteria they have their gym they have everything literally on site it's like a college campus but just mm-hmm. you know 80 baseball players you know 
prospects. Um, so I, I'm thinking that a lot of teams are going to kind of adopt that structure and just, you know, buy the land. I know the Royals, I'm pretty sure the Royals are already are building um, more housing in, um, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're one that already had started. Um, but they, yeah, I think it's going to be, I think they'll probably adopt that idea like they did in Dominican Republic and just have like a dorm dormitories um, all across the board, not just some teams. Okay. So yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see. And like you said, like you gotta read the fine print and also like what now, what are uh, MLB teams going to want like the owners? Cause they, they never just, they don't give, <laughs> <laughs> they're never just like, right. okay, we'll do this for you guys. They always want something in return. So I don't know yeah. what it's going to be. Uh, we'll find out in this this lockout whenever it happens to end. I mean, from all I can see, like online and stuff, it seems like they're all still pretty far away from coming together on some sort of an agreement. So we may be in this situation for a, a long time. So maybe a while before we can, you know, get this all sorted out. Uh, you mentioned you're a Mets fan. Um, what are did you? What are some of your favorite moments, like growing up, going to baseball games? Uh, for me, like just going to opening day with my dad, my sisters, yeah. and then um, just enjoying that time. Even when I didn't really follow baseball, just being in that environment. Because um, like my dad, he like I said, Puerto Rican diehard baseball fan. He would always have like the headset on, listening to the radio while watching. You know, like he was he was involved. Um, and then like we just kind of grew up in that environment. Like, what were some of your favorite memories as as a kid, even or an adult, even? Uh, watching watching baseball yeah so as a kid i i mean we used to go to shea stadium number of times a year um that was the place to be opening day was like pretty traditional for us we we would probably go every year uh probably one of my one of my favorite moments was watching (laughs) watching carrie wood throwing 98 like consistently like he was just pumping it he struck out so many of the mets batters in shea stadium (laughs) And uh, everyone was just like, he's throwing 97, 98. And it was like 30 degrees. We're all freezing. Yeah. And, he, and he's just pumping it, man. Like, it was just like nothing to him. And um, I actually pulled the article up the other day. There's still like a long like, – he had so many strikeouts that game. And I, I just remember it. And I remember, you know, going to watch the Braves and Chipper Jones just – I mean, it was almost like he knew every pitch that was coming because <laughs> he didn't miss. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up, you know, in Flushing, New York, and it was so close to the stadium. Um, we were always at the stadium. I saw so many games there, and it was a great experience. I mean, the fans in New York are, are just different. You know, it's different environments. It's a baseball city, and uh, Mets have obviously not won the World Series in, in quite some time. I haven't seen it in my lifetime. So. They've gotten close. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm still upset about that, but, uh, you know. They should have. They should have took Harvey out the inning before, but it, mm-hmm. it is what it is. <laughs> but yeah, so definitely some good memories. And I'm a, I'm a diehard Mets fan. Um, when I moved to Florida at 15, I adopted the Rays. So I've been a okay. Rays fan since, and I loved Evan Longoria, yeah, Hori um, uh, Cantu, uh, Iwakara, BJ Upton. Mm-hmm. They had some some really really good teams. Mm-hmm. I was I was a big fan of those teams, man. They, Reed Brignac was a shortstop at one point. Good player, lefty hitter. Just never really hit much. Good shortstop. Um, and definitely went to some Rays games and stuff like that when I lived here. Enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah, 
Who's your favorite player as a as a kid or yeah, like growing up? Because you, you play shortstop. Um, who was your was it a shortstop or just uh, you just happened to be your position? But who was your favorite player to watch as a kid and uh, growing up as a fan? Alex Rodriguez. Oh no, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely Alex Rodriguez. I loved Alex Rodriguez. I mean, he was with the Rangers. Yeah, um, I had I had a chance to go and watch him play when he was with the Rangers. It was unreal. Um, and it was just, it was just different. He was just a beast, man. I mean, I, I liked him. And then Albert Pujols um, was a huge. I was a huge fan. I still have some rookie cards I found the other day that I that I have of his, so they'll be worth some money. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I loved Albert Pujols too, man, because he was one of those underdog type stories too from from Missouri and and uh, got drafted late and just didn't stop hitting. Good thing Bobby Bonilla got hurt. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, and he's he's still going strong, you know. Like he's probably gonna play another year, I, I would imagine. So like, yeah. he's just wow. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Eric Chavez was my guy. Like I love watching him back in Oakland. He was um, a beast. Yeah, just slick at third. Like man, I used to try to pretend I was him when my sisters and I would play in the in the backyard and front yard and stuff. Just man, smooth like Miguel Tejada. Like those those are some really good. Some really good players. Now I live in, in Wisconsin, so I watch the Brewers a lot, and I, I talk about them a lot, especially uh, my podcast and YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, like it's just there's so so many there's so much incredible talent in the game right now. It's it's baseball is in such a good spot. Once we get start started again, uh, <laughs> right. that is. But uh, yeah, this baseball is in a really good spot. I'm, I'm excited. Like um, Mets Mets fans, uh, you. Uh, you guys have done some signings. You've got uh, some pitching. I think this. Uh, how do you feel? How how optimistic are you feeling about this season coming up? Uh, it's the Mets, so I can't. I, you can never. They're gonna they find always, a way to do something. They find a way to mess it up. Always like leave Harvey out for the ninth inning in the World Series game when you got the best closer in in the National League in the in bullpen. But you know it's. Yeah, so we'll just we'll just see we'll just see what happens. I mean, we all the talent, all the talent in the world. Yeah. I mean, I think we're gonna score runs. We're gonna pitch well. Um, so we'll we'll see what they do, man. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping this is the year. You know, I, like I said, I haven't seen it the World Series in my lifetime. So <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. I mean, the the first time that the last time the A's won a World Series, I was uh, I think like two or three months old. So <clears throat> it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't get to really enjoy it, and then uh, the Brewers obviously haven't gone, and they were they had a good team last year. I think they'll be good again this season coming up. They're they have, they have pitching, um, of course, and they just got to find some way to score a couple of runs. If they can do that, they'll be good uh, and, and get enough to compete for the for the, the National League pennant at least. Um, before we jump off here, just um, what through your job you've been able to travel a lot. What have been some of your most favorite spots of the country to visit? Uh, maybe some of your favorite stadiums that you've watched, uh, either minors or majors, um, that you have enjoyed while doing what you do. Um, I would probably have to say probably California. I like going to California. Um, there's always really good, really good baseball. The stadiums are awesome there. The Angels don't get many fans, but it's a good stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, Dodgers environment is, is pretty insane. Um, Texas, 
Texas is like another country when it comes to sports. Like it's just, I mean, to football games there with the Cowboys. I've been to baseball games for the Rangers, and um, I, I really, really like Texas as far as like the the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I like, really like watching the college, the college games, man. The college games get really exciting. Um, watching SEC games. Uh, University of Florida gets really, really competitive. Mm. Uh, I've watched some games at University of Tennessee um, or some other games. I mean, there's some really good environments. Georgia, University of Georgia, very good environment there, the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, really, I really enjoy watching the college because they're so, they're so hungry. Those guys are like, and especially when you watch like SEC baseball, it's just, it's on another level. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's very, very competitive. Those guys are insane athletes. It's yeah. it's exciting to watch for sure. You know, that's that's something that I, I even when I'm home, I'll put on the SEC network. I'm like, because uh-huh. the baseball's so good. I like I like to watch it a lot. Yeah. But California definitely probably my favorite place to visit and, and see guys and, and watch them play. Very, very competitive um baseball. It's different than South Florida. Um, I don't, I can't even explain it, but it's just like the culture is just different. Like in California, like guys are studs and they just like kind of know it, like they don't show it. And then you go to Miami here and like, you know, it's the fans are telling you how terrible you are in Spanish and, you know, telling you all types of things. And it's, it's just a different environment. The pitcher's like showing up the other team and yeah it's it's just part of it you know but if a guy does that like in california they'll they'll be like what's wrong with this guy you know? yeah yeah yeah. So it's just california we're, we're yeah they're different in california like <laughs> I, I said i grew up there in the bay area like now i live in wisconsin it's such a culture shock for me moving <laughs> from like the bay area millions of people to now a small little town with about three thousand people <laughs> in my town so it's it's been a trip but uh it's, it's been it's been fun Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin has some really good players. I'm actually licensed in that state. Like mm-hmm. I told you, um, mm-hmm. as a player agent, um, there's been some really talented players, you know, and we were joking today, texting about the Badgers. Mm-hmm. I was like, Badgers really need to bring baseball because yeah. there's some really, really talented players in Wisconsin. I've seen some really, really talented. I have a couple players that are in college now, um, that are a couple years away at a big 10 school. Um, and some other other mid-major conferences um, that are going to be in two years, I think, legitimate legitimate draft guys. Mm. Um, and but they're very very good people. They're um, very humble, very hardworking, very honorable. Like mm-hmm. you know, you you help someone from there, and it's like they remember it forever. Uh, I just I've just had really good experiences with the people there. I really enjoy interacting with them. Um, and there's, like I said, there's some really good baseball, baseball being played. <laughs> I don't know how, how it's being played over there in that tundra, but yeah. <laughs> it's, there's some good players for sure. Yeah. If you're ever, if you're ever here in Wisconsin, I told you this earlier, but if you're ever here in Wisconsin, let me know. We'll try to catch a game or something together. Yeah. That'd be awesome. For that'd sure. Awesome. Hey, yeah. Well, Joseph, I, I do want to pre, I appreciate you coming on. I do want to say thank you for coming on and, and talking to me. I do appreciate you taking your time. Um, let, let us know where we can find you on Twitter. Um, and, um, yeah. All right. Sounds good. No, I really appreciate you having me. Thank you again. 
Um, on Twitter is Joseph R. Guzman. And on Instagram, same thing, Joseph R. Guzman. And, and um, your company? Well, Empowerment Sports Group. Empowerment Sports Group. Perfect. Awesome, Joseph. Hey, you have a great rest of your night. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Really appreciate it. Take care. For sure. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Dutch's potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.